We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers made a couple of moves yesterday, at least according to media reports. They will be uh, releasing DeAndre Jordan and signing a smaller DJ, DJ Augustine, and Wenyan Gabriel. And I'd like to start with Gabriel. Uh A couple of years ago, he worked out as a draft prospect for the Lakers. He played one year at Kentucky, and he was a bench player, but we brought him in. He was eventually undrafted, but during his draft workout, at the end of every draft workout that the Lakers have, they have something called the Lakers mentality drill, and I always love getting little insights on our draft process and our scouting department, in particular our our college scouting, because they're always finding those Austin Reeves and THTs and guys like that, so any little piece that we can get of their process, I think is really interesting. And so this Lakers mentality drill is at the end of a long workout, right? And they they want to put those guys through a lot. They want to see how they deal with fatigue. And I think that's the main point of this drill. And it's very simple. Uh, you have to score as many points as possible in like 60 or 90 seconds. I'm sure there are other parameters to it. But the reason I bring all of this up is Wenyan Gabriel set the record for that in that drill, which is they do with most of their uh, draft workouts. He set the record for that um, when he worked out. I don't know if that's been passed since then, but Darius, he let's start with him. He's somebody that I watched tape on all last night, right? I said in yesterday's pod that I, I was like, I felt like I had to watch the Laker game the other night, or at least the second half. And so it was really nice to have some basketball footage to be excited about. And I'm certainly excited to talk about him. He's that motor big that we've been kind of looking for for a bit, D. And, and so this is that guy we've been talking about that's kind of this like replacement level player, but has attributes of a four or five. Uh, I'll get into a little bit of his, his game, but I'd love to hear your reaction just overall to the Lakers making a couple of moves and just your, your thoughts on Gabriel in, in particular. Yeah. So in the pod yesterday, I, I had a bit of a throwaway line about like the front office sort of giving up on the team. Right. And we had seen the Lakers team sort of give up themselves a little bit in that Pelicans game. 
And the idea I was trying to get at with that comment about the front office giving up on the team is that we're what now three weeks removed almost from the trade deadline and the team had not been playing well. I had an expectation, not that some major move was going to be made at the trade deadline, but if nothing else, we were going to see a move or two on the margins and those moves had not yet come. And I'm sure that there's context and everything that goes with that, but the Lakers front office finally did decide at this point now, all right, now is there's no more waiting now, right? Whatever they were hoping to get, whoever was going to potentially be out there, like these are the moves that they thought that were needed. So I applaud the front office for for doing something because something was needed just to sort of shake up the team in some way, shape or form. We should be clear, Gabriel, I believe, is going to be signed to a two-way contract and not added to the regular roster. According to reports, yes. And we haven't used our two-way guys really at all this year. Yeah, the two-way guys have been, besides that stretch where um, COVID ransacked the team, Mike, like none of the two-way guys really got any sort of minutes at all. And even if they were dressed for the games, they didn't get it in sometimes even in deep garbage time. And getting back to Gabriel now, you look up his basketball reference page and it says that he's 6'9", 205 pounds. 205 is who weighs 205, man? Like that's basically a guard size. Like THT is like 225 and he's like, you know, a stockier dude. So Gabriel is sort of slender and long. But the thing that I like most about him is that he's got motor and that he's going to play hard. And he's a 6'9 dude who does those those things rather than like a 6'6 dude or a 6'7 dude. And we'll see how much time he does or does not get. Big picture, Mike, I think that he's more like a project sort of player, but he has gotten real minutes in the NBA. I was looking at some clips of him earlier, and the first stuff I pulled up was he played for the Blazers in the bubble against the Lakers in that first round playoff series. Yes, He guarded AD for a bit. Yeah, and he's got mobility. He's got the ability to sort of um, go and challenge shots around the basket. He is not the most like aware player, but when he does recognize where he's supposed to be, he gets there and he's going to challenge and he's going to play hard. And no offense to DeAndre Jordan, I wish him the best. There's rumors that he may get claimed off of waivers. And if he does get claimed off of waivers, that's like a major win for the Lakers. But DeAndre Jordan was not a motor big. He was not a guy who was making a lot of plays around the basket. If a guy brought it directly to him, he could say, thank you for bringing this to me. I will take that now. But if there was out of area plays or anything like that, you might get one of those a game. And it was more likely that over the course of any four game stretch that GJ might play, you might get one or two of those. And so if anything, Gabriel's the type of big that I've been yearning for, whether or not he's good enough, that's a whole different story, right? But just in terms of player type, I'm interested in getting a guy like that into the mix just to see if he can get, you know, hey, let's throw you out there for a four minute stretch and see how that goes. For context, just before getting too deeply into these two guys' games, I, I do think that there is a difference between, say, 
you know, when they claimed Marquis Boris a couple of years ago, and this is a player who, you know, had, w- still in, in an area of his career where he's going to be able to come in and help in specific ways right away. And so I don't, I don't think that if the, as the reports state, like these two guys come in and just completely, they're going to completely change from a, from a basketball impact. But what I do think is this team, this team had to do something from a chemistry standpoint, from just a switching up the roster from a, you know, Augustine's been in the league since 2008. He knows a lot of these guys. He is a very steady, thoughtful player and he does have some skills, which, which I think help. And then Gabriel is just the, just simply the fact that he's six, nine and bouncy um, is something that we have been pining for. And to put the weight into context, 205, like that's right. That's about Wayne Ellington, right? So that's uh, Westbrook is, is around that weight. So he, and I like that for that's part of what the Lakers need. Somebody that's bouncing and that can run around. And even if he he's clearly has his limitations, right? Like his his career high and his, his career points average in the NBA is two point six. Uh, he's never played more than nine minutes uh, basically per game. So but just Pete, just shifting the mix around after these last couple of games, especially and after the Pelicans games. And that to me has some kind of impact where it's like that's almost the whole season for the Lakers is. Somebody's in, somebody's not. But when the guy comes back, there's there can be even you can convince yourself of a thread of optimism or change or difference. And even if it's a small thing, I'm glad that something happened there. Yeah, we, we've we needed to make moves. And I actually think that both guys should play because we have some very practical kind of functional issues with the roster and team that we've been talking about all season that I think both guys, again, as replacement level players i I really want to emphasize that we're not like yo dj augustine and wenyan gaber about to save the season we were cracking up about that beforehand right like that's not where we're coming from but i do think that it provides a couple of things that we've needed so let's take a quick break come back start to dig a little more into their game we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So full disclosure, my tape watching last night was all Wenyan Gabriel. I didn't have time to get to DJ Augustine, so I'll be talking about him from more the player that I've seen over the course of his career. And so in watching Gabriel, let me give you guys just my little like notes that I wrote down of just like kind of quick hitter notes of, of, please, of the scouting report. Please, please, right? You can go for 10 minutes on this one. Yeah, yeah. let's go. <laughs> okay, so the the main two places that that he contributes, I think, is spacing on offense. And so he is a three-point shooter. That's one of the ways he won that Lakers mentality drill is even though he's a big, uh, he is somebody that can space the floor. Now, he's not a shooter in the sense that like, oh, he's a sniper, but I've seen teens run him off screens. He can hop into a shot. He can shoot a variety of different types of threes. And he's always shot a, a good percentage, but... I don't want to characterize him as like this. Like, remember Mark, when Mark would get hot last year, Marcus all and be at the top of the key, it would be like, oh, that's money every time. Right. He's he, he's a little inconsistent. And then when he attacks his closeouts is where it gets really interesting. <laughs> he is. Uh, you know how Kent Bazemore can be a bit of an adventure when he goes to the basket. He's got a lot of Kent Bazemore, a lot of Stanley Johnson. He's somebody that in his entirety is a chaotic player, which is something that we've talked about kind of the Lakers winning chaos battles and winning in those types of parts of the game. And so I'm really curious if we go more toward and more toward that direction, but the spacing in and of itself is important on this particular Lakers team because we have so many players who cannot shoot. And so Gabriel to me is like a small ball, big where those LeBron at the five type lineups say it's, it's LeBron. You can play LeBron, Gabriel and Stanley Johnson together, for example. And so you've got a lot of length at the three, four, five in your second quarter, your bench units, LeBron at the five units, while also not completely sacrificing spacing. And that's been one of the big things with all of our bigs is that none of none of our bigs can shoot aside from Carmelo Anthony, who obviously comes with a great deal of defensive issues, right? And so you can't switch with Melo on the floor all that effectively. And Gabriel has Gabriel's a pretty good athlete, really high motor. Um and and that's the other element that that he really helps at is that is that motor is he's always going he's going to crash the glass when heads are turned on the offensive boards he, but he is a very uh, chaotic player i really want to emphasize that where he's going to be he's going to have some moments d where it's like oh boy that, that was an adventure but i think that that like life and spirit and we were talking about this with bays yesterday it's like man get in the game and go kind of Mess shit up for yeah. a bit. And and that is the type of big that he is. And we have smaller players that are of that ilk. But after watching him, I kind of came away with this notion that he's like this taller Bazemore or slightly bigger Stanley. So he's kind of in that ilk of of player. I could go more more into the details, but I don't want to go on for, for too much. So that was kind of my impression from watching tape of him yesterday. Curious about your thoughts on that and just how that player kind of fits in. We should be clear. He came in the league in 2020, right? And so the idea of what his skill set is and what it projects to be and what he's been good at at this point is almost all sort of there's not a lot of tangible stuff, right? Like there's it's 
or I should say it's not rooted in actual production, right? Like there are flashes on tape, but it's just like, oh yeah, he can shoot it. Well, yeah, he's taken 52 threes in his entire NBA career, right? And so if, and he's at, what's his percentage on threes? Like 38 or 39% or 36.8. Yes. And so as Mike is so fond of saying, you make three more of those and suddenly you're a 42% three-point shooter, right? Or a 44% three-point shooter and you miss three more of those and you're a 32% shooter. I think the idea is that Pete was talking about though, is that he will shoot it with confidence and that he will shoot it with like, oh, you leave me open? Great. Right, he'll like, make open threes. Yeah, it, like he can make the shot. Whereas with if it's THT or Stanley, it's like you can take that as as often as you want. The things I'm most intrigued by is that the Lakers don't have guys his size who run hard. I love this. Thank you. Yes, they just don't have guys who run hard. Dwight plays hard, and he will try to run hard, but he doesn't move in the same way that he wants to move even. And you could see it like he's laboring more. And speaking of laboring, like Trevor Ariza is laboring, laboring, capital L laboring, like push laboring. This dude is like, he's not moving out there. And the idea of, of just having a guy who's six, nine or six ten and changes ends the way that he changes ends. That's one of the things that like AD brings. And it's one of the things that like helps in. There's so many like transition offense principles, Mike, that the Lakers struggle at because they actually don't have all of the ingredients in order to be a really good transition off offense team. Like when the Lakers won the championship, two of the things that they really had on offense from a transition standpoint was a dude or two who sprinted deep corner and a dude or two who sprinted right to the front of the rim. And so deep corner guys like KCP, KCP. and to a certain extent, even Danny Green, like when Danny Green, when he knew he had to get on his horse and get to the deep corner, like he's been doing that his entire career. And so he's not, he's not running fast but he's at least taking guys with him when he when he goes to to deep corner and AD Dwight JaVale all those dudes ran hard right to the front of the rim and the Lakers don't have that guy right now and Gabriel he's at least going to be like okay well you have to run with me because if you don't run with me then I'm a threat for a hit ahead pass and that we talk about spacing in the half court a lot, but spacing in transition is also super important. It's how you create driving angles. It's it's how you create driving kick angles. It's the way that you open up the flow of the game. And having another big who can run like that is super important for what the Lakers want to do on offense. Well, as a quick tangent, that's one of the reasons why I always – liked KCP and thought that he was a little bit underrated. One of the things that he always did was sprint his ass up the court Mm -hmm. and he either got layups and therefore like the Lakers didn't necessarily always have to run the most beautiful half court offense, but they had all these other ways to get these easy baskets, right? That, that aren't there now. Well, they're still not necessarily running um, that type of an offense, but to, to kind of push on this point, thinking about rotation and okay. So now Gabriel is up. uh, Assume once everything gets cleared, 
So what happens, right? So is it is it time now where we've been talking about a little bit where all right, maybe Ariza goes back to the bench to the kind of like the end of the bench and doesn't get in games for a while? And does that mean that to start, maybe you go back to Stanley or or is Gary Burrell, do you throw him right in and say, hey, let's let's take a shot and let's see how this looks. It's not it's not like there's somebody that would be displaced from the starting lineup right now other than LeBron, you know, and, and Russ to an extent that you can't try some stuff. So I'm curious to see what the – and that's going to be the first question, right, tonight, depending on where things are reporting-wise, if, if things are official or not, is, all right, so this is – what Frank is doing the same thing that Pete was doing last night and that I'm doing to an extent and thinking, all right, like what, we got these these two guys in here and we're focused right now on Gabriel, but what's what's going to be going on with the rotation? Where are they going to play? Yeah, that's certainly the question to answer with them. I would love, again, if if they got right into the rotation. So I think within any lineup, you can't have more than one guy on the floor who's a bad shooter. Like, Darius, you called up, you know, Mike's idea of there's only you're only a couple shots away from being a 36 percent versus 39 percent versus 33 percent. And that I, I believe that wholeheartedly. But there is a difference between a guy who can't shoot at all or a sub 20% three-point shooter and a guy who can make them. And so one of the fundamental difficulties that we've been looking at, and if anyone wants to do this to themselves and rewatch the Pelicans game, I thought that they did, that they did this as well as any team that we've gone up against is the way that they packed the paint was something that just kind of made everything fall apart. And so to me, Mike, it's less about an individual as as it is the overall alchemy of the lineup is how do these guys fit together so let's take a quick break come back i want to touch on dj augustine let's table the overall lineup discussions for maybe tomorrow's pod let's see if they play a little bit tonight because i think that we have a bunch of ingredients but they're very sensitive and in the wrong spot like the same player can be really bad in a lineup or be really good in another lineup so let's take a break come back and talk some dj augustine and uh, get into his game when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So there's a collection of players around the league, Mike, that for some reason just kick the Lakers ass half the time or if not more than half the time that are just random dudes. I call it like it's it's like the J.J. Barea Award and D.J. Augustine has always been one of those guys where it's like this dude has like. 23 points against us off the bench in 26 minutes. He's averaging 7.6 points on the season, but tonight he's one of those guys. And so I'm a fan of DJ Augustine and I I always have been. I think that we need a guard like him. I'm curious in your thoughts. You've been watching him for years. Well, so first of all, I I do like Augustine generally as a player on offense. Uh, He is a guy that's going to get targeted on defense and we know that. And I think my first thought was, I, what have I been saying all year? Love the big wings. Like, would love to get some size, but th- that's just not that's not available in this kind of a context. So another guard. But then thinking further, 
you know, this this Lakers team have they haven't had a point guard like him, a traditional just can come down, run and execute an offense. And who's been playing point guard off the bench? It's mostly been guys, you know, like THT has had the ball some or Austin Reeves having the ball some, you know, not again, guys that have run tons of NBA offense uh, throughout their careers. And so that part of it is intriguing to me. And since I don't know if somebody was going to come in and just fix the defense immediately anyway, I he can do that. Like he knows he can come down, he can run screen roll, he can play off ball as a as a spot up shooter, and he's got the little stuff in the mid range that the Lakers don't have that many guys. So that part about Augustine, I'm intrigued by, and I kind of I like the thinking there, even if it wasn't something that I was expecting, based on just the sheer size of what the roster has been. So Augustine's skill set's been missing from the team, even when they had Rondo. So Rondo's that player, right? Like the guy who could organize your offense and who can run your sets. He can run screen and roll. He can do, he can even shoot spot, spot up threes. But Rondo's reputation as a player has been defined since the minute he came into the league. And for some reason, the scouting report hasn't really changed on him, even if his game has evolved. And so teams still play Rondo to pass. Teams still don't respect Rondo as a shooter, even though Rondo will hit 38, 40% of his spot-up open threes. It's just like, yeah, great. Go ahead. Shoot it 15 times today. We really don't care. And they treated Rondo like that because he didn't want to shoot it 15 times. Augustine is a player who can do all of that stuff in terms of organize your offense and play some pick and roll, and and just be a competent point guard. And a guy guy who I think they could groom into that sort of role is like an Austin Reeves type. He has that same sort of skill and feel as a passer and and everything else. But Austin's last couple of years as a player at at Oklahoma was like, hey, go get us some buckets because you're like number one option sort, sort of guy, right? And so... Actually, like Austin handling the ball, but I'll like Augustine a little bit more as just like a hey, let's get everyone in the right place. I, I would argue, D, real quick. I would argue that like Austin can play the point guard position, but DJ Augustine is a point guard. Yes, I, and I think that's a great distinction. I, I I would also say that Augustine as a player type, it creates more dissonance. We just talked a ton about Gabriel and like chaos and like running and all of this stuff. And those are not the things that you think of when you think of like DJ Augustine. It's actually the opposite. It's control. It's Mm -hmm. like more like, okay, well, we're going to play at like a 98 or a 99 pace, not like a 105 or a 106 pace. And that like, okay, well, one of one of this and one of the other. It's like that's what these sort of two signings look like to me. And and so, Pete, one thing I would pose to you is, is like, even though I I like Augustine's game and he's a veteran and I think that he'll fit in well within several groups. How do you see him fitting in within the context of like best style of play for the team? Or does that necessarily matter just because his competence as sort of a floor general is going to bring an element that the team has missed? I'm I I think it's more that and I'm because I think that it slots other players into more natural positions like for example so DJ Augustine's not going to start uh but 
on those bench units, I would rather have Austin doing what he's better at. I'd rather have him off the ball as one of those connector type of pieces. So I think that you always talk about slotting players appropriately. That can even be true within a lineup with eight minutes left in the second quarter, right? It's not, it's both a big picture thing and a very small picture thing. And so I think that he helps slot players into better positions. But Mike, what one of the things that I'm excited about is actually his off-ball ability, that ability to, someone's going to drive and kick. We've got this Russell Westbrook and LeBron James. We've got, Le, we've got Russell LeBron driving to the basket. And how many times this season have we seen drive, kick, brick? And DJ Augustine's going to make open threes if you give them to him. And so between Russ being kind of a bigger guard and a power guard and Augustine being small but having more control, I can see them actually playing together. And so I'm excited about his off-ball ability as much as I am his on-ball ability. Yeah, it's and this is part of the season, too, where there have been times when Wayne Ellington has been out there and, and we before the season we thought, oh, yeah, he shot 40 plus percent in Detroit last year while not getting many open looks like he's going to be drilling those. And he hasn't been hitting a lot of those shots this year. So here's another guy that can come in and hopefully hit those shots. But then also if the ball gets swung to him, it's not he can do something with it as opposed to just continue to swing it. He can take somebody off the dribble. He can do something in the mid range. So. I do. I do think that he helps offensively in that context. It's just kind of the but it's also a, you know, so at some point if Avery Bradley's back. Right. And Frank is liking the way that he's playing and what he's doing energy wise. Then how many guys is Augustine going to play over on the defensive side of the court? And so there's I'm just curious. It's not like there are guys that should be locked in to playing time right now on this team, especially with the desperate nature that the season has taken upon. And even though San Antonio lost last night, like these are the kind of things now, right? We, we remember we went from watching Dallas and Denver and then, okay, the Clippers and the Timberwolves. And now it's like New Orleans and San Antonio. We just kind of keep going further down the standings mm-hmm. um, since the AD injury, especially, but to not to veer off too far on that point. Yeah. I, I, Augustine can help in certain ways. And I'm just curious to see what the coaching staff thinks of what these moves are. Cause these you never know for sure, but these moves are, are they front office moves? Are they, they, these are in context with Frank and Rob talking and, Hey, I really could use a guy to run the second unit a little bit better. Or it's the front office saying, Hey, we think you could really use a guy to run the second unit a little more and could also play some with the, with the first unit. So I'm, I'm going to be all eyes uh, as uh, these games come in and who's checking in when, and how's the rotation affected. So very curious to see how that plays out. What I would say too, guys is like when the entire team is healthy, The backup point guard is LeBron James, right? So Russell Westbrook is the de facto starter starting point guard, even though he shares possessions with with LeBron. But when all when all three of the Lakers big three are healthy, it's LeBron who is the secondary ball handler and really the lead point guard type guy on the units that he's in the game. Sometimes even when Russ is there with him, but especially if Russ is out. With AD out, LeBron has to do so many more big man things. And asking him to both be the point guard and the big man is a tricky ask, even for someone as talented as LeBron. 
there was a great uh, great tweet yesterday by Vinay at Vikilam on Twitter that he parsed out the differences in the uh, LeBron at the five lineups with Russ on the floor and with him off. And it's about a 10-point difference per 100 possessions. When Russ is on the floor with LeBron at the five, they perform much better than LeBron at the five with Russ off of the floor. And I think that speaks to your point that if LeBron has to be the five, if LeBron has to be the big man, he cannot simultaneously be your point guard. And we do not have other point guards on the roster aside from Russell Westbrook. And so I'm curious, does DJ Augustine kind of feel that? Could he fill that role and allow him to be more of a big and not have to carry that point guard responsibility as well? Or even can this allow Russ to play more with LeBron? On those units, because Augustine can play in some of these other units, potentially with other guys, the potential for more lineup flexibility and to allow LeBron to slot into doing more big, big man things. We we know that the ball is never going to be out of LeBron's hands completely, but LeBron can't bring the ball up and then throw himself an entry pass into the post. Right. He can't be in like he can't be in two places at the same time and functionally organizing the offense or functionally being able to run a pick and roll with a pull up shooter like Augustine who can shoot the mid range jumper. And what does that look like? We haven't seen a lot of that. One of the things I'll be interested with Augustine and I'll put this back to both of you is this is a part of his game. Pull up shooting and just sort of like, hey, operating in this side in this part of the floor, I can do that. And I'm wondering how eager or not eager he will be to sort of use possessions in ways because I think the Lakers need a guy to use some possessions in the exact way that Augustine can use them. And I don't want him to come in and be like, okay, well, all I'm going to do is sort of do what like Darren Collison was doing when he had his little 10, 10 day shift here, which is like, yeah, I'll, I'll maybe bring the ball up every once in a while and then I'll pass and then I'll just go stand in the corner. Because at this point, without AD, the Lakers need a guy who can do a little bit more than that. And I'm wondering if that's why Augustin maybe got this chance rather than them going back to Collison, who had already been on the team, right? And and, and so, again, I don't want to frame Augustine as some major difference maker or someone who is going to transform the team. But that idea of slotting, the idea of skill set working within the context of, of what the Lakers could actually use a little bit more of, he does provide some some answers there. And I'll just be interested to see like how he adapts and what sort of mentality he brings to the role as a backup guard. Yeah, and so the other with Augustine, the only thing I'd add is that defensively, Point guard is less important than center or power forward. So there are ways to make up for that. And what I'm curious to see and, and what I haven't paid close attention to when watching Augustine lately is how much he competes off the ball. And that's something is that that's something I got to watch some some tape on as well. But so, guys, I when recording in the house, Riggs will find you. He now it's at the point now he knows that I'm recording because he can hear the the way that I'm speaking and he will come. My poor wife has had to try to take him off the stairs 15 times so far. And I finally <laughs> said, just just forget it. Just, okay, let, just him let him in. go. Yeah. He wants to be with his friends. Uh, it, yeah. uh, it is what it is. Unless, 
Yeah, unless we make faces at each other. Yeah, yeah. We, we have a good old time. Unless you take him out of the house. So I was I was even gonna cut, gonna try to come up with a an allegory as to how DJ Augustine plays and keeping him out of certain areas of the court um, is impossible. But I can't do that just yet. Um, so I'll, I'll just you know because you have a small child on your lap. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. We got a game tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. Hopefully these news guys, new guys get a, a little bit of a run. I'd really like to see all the guys who um, have motor and really want to really want to go hard. I'd like to see those guys' minutes be maximized. I think we made a couple of small moves that addressed uh, some holes on the team. Obviously, it's you know again small moves, but I think that it will reduce the number of times that at least I watch the game and go, oh, this lineup isn't competent. Like not that these individual players aren't competent, but we've got three non-shooters on the floor at the same time. Like, of course this doesn't work. And so I thought we made a couple of nice moves to uh, help shore that up a little bit. Hopefully they get some run tonight. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about it here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. With a little tap to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.